0: Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. I've gotten so used to Andy being here, I almost said his name. But he's not here, it's just us. The uh, overthinking portion of the podcast. (laughs) And we're here to overthink a topic on maids and butlers in anime. Uh, And after the break, we'll be talking about Heike Monogatari and about the Garden of Sinners to anime that we've watched recently. But first, uh, just like last week where I said I don't really need to explain why we're talking about school anime, I also don't think if you've been paying attention we need to explain why we're talking about maids in anime <laughs> because um, there are, there are a lot of them. I, Duncan, you were just remarking that you are looking through Shaft's catalog and it's very very maid-heavy for a show, for a, a studio that often doesn't do like
1: explicitly maid content. And you get to guess whether they said maid or made. Shaft do like just throwing in a bonus made in whatever they tend to put out. It's like, well, what wouldn't be improved by having someone in uh, really Dress and uh, Pigtails? Pigtails mm. does seem to be... Is Pigtails... Like, I wonder if the, the Pigtails is a particularly Japanese uh, is addition to the, the thing, like the sort of goth lolly made as, as opposed to the more traditional one. I'm getting into... Uh, differences that would 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 make Sayakawa's sister proud at this point (laughs) well i think it's complicated
0: because i think we were talking repeatedly about this on the lead up to this podcast is that like a maid in anime can mean a lot of different things is it actually someone who's employed to clean and tidy like say in my next life as a villainous or in dragon maid as we just brought up Is it someone who just wears a maid outfit because it's cute? Because, like, they have Mio dress up in a maid outfit in Kaon, and she says Moe Moe Kune, um, which made so many people so angry. And then we also have just, like, people who have, like, domestic (laughs) service-adjacent occupations, like hosts in Orin Host Club, which I personally did not count. Or, like, Bartender from Bartender. That's his name, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, But, like, yeah, he also has this, like, extreme shokunin look on service and like how you're about like supporting this other person's like life and consciousness and being by making a drink which seems to be of the same cloth as cleaning their room or getting them their clothes so yeah there's a lot of different ways we can talk about maids and it's kind of just we're free to decide what we choose is the <laughs> is the most relevant thing to talk about when we talk about maids
2: yeah and I think a for me anyway is an important aspect of the concept of maids is the concept of service. Um, the, you know, even if you're not wearing the uniform, you know, you wear the maids uniform on your heart, as Kobayashi said <laughs> in Dragon Maid. And it's almost always paired with somebody literally wearing a maid's outfit because mm. even though it's not a sex thing, is absolutely a sex thing. <laughs>
0: I mean, sometimes it's a sex scene and sometimes it's not. Like I'm thinking when, when I watch Boys Over Flowers or even a comedy like Takamiya Nas, Desu, which is one of the TQ spinoffs about the, the airheaded rich girl, where oftentimes having a maid and a butler is just a sign that someone is wildly rich and that's all they exist for. Or even, um, what's his name? Green-haired girls in uh, in Haruhi with the fang. Tsuruya? Um, yeah, Tsuruya. Like, she has a maid and a and a butler, and in all the spinoff materials, they show up a lot. But in the show, they're just there to be like, wow, she's really rich. She has a maid and a butler, and the butler is also her personal driver uh, or something. Yeah. I so think there's, there's a there lot of... There is also
1: part of the rich person chrome there, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, there's definitely some cross-pollination between this sort of uh, an Ojo-sama uh, uh, who, and butlers slash maids. Like, one is is predictably followed by the others.
2: And I think it also touches on a appreciation for nobility as an inherently virtuous concept, which is something that has kind of gone away in Western media, especially like, and when it does come Mm. up, it's somebody from the House of Lords explicitly trying to make people have an affection for the aristocracy. It can't, you know, also known as Downton Abbey, which (laughs) I think does not have the same sinister context in anime and if you have you know a, you know if you have an appreciation for you know occidental tastes i don't know is that word even good should we Should I stop saying occidental and start I, saying I, western
0: I, I think occidental is occidental is kind of old-fashioned it'll come back eventually i'm sure but uh but for now yes let's stick with western yeah or so, anglophone even if you want to if you want to yeah. Be more
2: precise. The trappings of European nobility of big mansions Mm -hmm. and butlers who who, you know, who serve a living master as the ideal as opposed to, you know, serving a higher calling in opposition to a corrupt nobility, which is something that's a much more Western friendly trope that, Mm -hmm. I, you know, so like, you know, when we have butlers, it's almost always, you know, he's the, you know, it's. It's a cliche to say the butler did it because mm-hmm. we want to, you know, if, if anything, we want to recapture their dignity in, you know, getting one on, you know, getting one over their employer. Whereas in a lot of anime, you want to, you know, you want to enjoy the idea that you could have a class distinction and a sort of one way responsibility and that not necessarily being sinister, that there is a harmony to that you know, so long as it's you know to a good master who you know pays their responsibility <laughs> forward, and <laughs> yeah. you know is a good ruler, then serving that person is inherently uh, a virtuous act.
1: I think that's a good point. Like we very rarely see it sub- subverted, and we've. Like a, a maid, as you say, I can't think of any instances of a butler or maid killing their, their master in anime or, or even just basically going against them in a meaningful way. Like it's always a trope where sort of undying loyalty is part and parcel of what you're paying for when that's put that gown is put on.
2: Um, if anything, like the inherent nobility of the butler is put on display by them sacrificing themselves for their master, even after they're exposed to be the villain. And that is also considered to be, you know, the, you know that that's proof that he was a good guy and not proof that he was stupid or evil or tricked. That, you know, he would and... lay down his life for the idea of service and nobility and, or, and, you know, and and fealty
0: yeah and even in cases like i'm thinking in in villainous um where she's just nice to all of the all of the like serving staff and then they're nice to her back and she's shocked about that and it seems like well of course we like you you're you're nice to us everyone else just kind of takes us for granted so there's also Hmm. when you're deconstructing that like aristocratic fantasy you also deconstruct the role of the of uh maids and butlers in it too like the loyalty of of uh of Katerina's maid to her. I can't remember her name, but she's like a named character and she like follows her around everywhere and like Katerina can't go to sleep without her. And it's like,
1: it's real affection,
0: not a, not a transactional
1: affection. And Um, even when they, even when they do introduce a butler who is a kidnapping his, his, Caterina and hypnotizing his master it's because he was a poor orphan boy and katerina is able to redeem him and make him a, a worthy <laughs> he, noble person again. just being nice to him again yeah <laughs> it definitely paints a world
0: where everyone's just like awful to their weight staff and and then someone just comes in and is like oh hey how are you doing like oh my god i've never been treated this well <laughs> which is definitely different from like i think the way that most people encounter maids in anime if they're not seeking out certain romance anime or certain comedy anime is they either encounter them through maid cafe episodes or they encounter them through cosplay episodes. Yeah. And I was thinking about I was thinking about, say, like uh And Yet the Town Moves with its explicit Maid Cafe and Natsuno Arashi with its effectively a Maid Cafe. Mm -hmm. Um as these sort of things where you get to it is again the recommodification, the retransactionalization of of the relationship that that Jeff was talking about too, of having this person who is just going to gush over you. Or in Dragon Maid, there's a dragon, there's a maid cafe in Dragon Maid because why not? Mm-hmm. Dragon Maid is is comprehensive when it comes to maids.
2: You know the concept of the maid cafe. You know especially in something like Dragon Maid is almost put in opposition to you know the original noble concept of service where it does become transactional and it does become explicitly sexual and Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, you know, in that's she the, you know, the the master, I don't know if they ever actually give her a name. They just call her master because she's the owner of the, the cafe through dubious means, if nothing else, uh, who is, you know, explicitly dressing all the ghost girls up as maids or in other costumes to attract, uh, To attract business and also to attract men that she can then sort of like catch the runoff is her explicitly stated plan several times. And so there is definitely there is like a seedy side to maids as they appear in in popular fiction. Because I think, you know, one thing that anime does occasionally do well is just parodying itself and its fans and you know they sort of mm. look directly into the camera and say we know what we are and we know <laughs> what you are here you go you hogs let's all just roll around in the mud together
0: yeah yeah whenever they're, they're like you you like you like this don't you hey look there's a maid here <laughs> are you gonna you're gonna turn it down and refuse the maid mm. ridiculous
1: yeah like dragon maid just going straight in and going oh sh- toad everyone just thinks she's in cosplay that's why people don't aren't, aren't sort of like surprised <laughs> by the fact she's got horns and stuff everyone th- just thinks she's someone cosplaying all the time and then they actually go and have an episode about cosplay <laughs> because like why not double down you, you can get that double <laughs> made goodness i think dragon maid's the one where the like the text is obviously the most out in the open where they make the, have the same discussions that that we have where um, Sayakao's, uh sister Georgie is someone who, like Kobe, like Toru, cosplays as a maid and has a very traditional, almost outside the anime concept of a maid cosplay. She she focuses, as Jeff said, on the idea of service rather than the accoutrements that she, like she's notable for having like a good old fashioned sort of, like victorian bonnet which is like a, a, a good like reminds me of um like costume dramas of of my youth that's like a visual design which seems to have been largely discarded and made anime in favor of uh, pigtails and <laughs> uh i i think it's it's interesting to hear her and uh kobayashi and Tohu in discussion about what Toru's choice to stay with kobayashi means in terms of her service to her and where where mm. it is coming from this this idea of uh, she has of is it a but because she's doing it out of a sense of obligation or is it something more noble
2: mm-hmm. and it's also an opportunity to contrast kobayashi's appreciation of it because she is almost explicitly asexual on the show but still has a high regard for the concept of service. So you know it's not, you know, mm. they they have the maid cafe and you have the the clientele there and how they react contrasting that to Kobayashi who appreciates Toru's efforts on, you know, in service and it's almost explicitly completely divorced from any kind of like physical int- intimacy. It's almost entirely a like a spiritual connection of master and servant you know being the 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 virtuous worthy master and having a servant to who appreciates that
1: yeah one trope which is i've seen a couple times which mindly subverts that is the idea of the maid or butler as a surrogate father slash mother for a, uh, the younger child in a uh, rich family so in something like a high score girl where she has a very strained relationship with her her parents, but her her butler acts as kind of like a father figure in her life and pushing her towards better personal development and stuff
0: i mean there's a lot of no i no, I agree completely there's a lot of gay guises that the uh the maid can wear, like building off of kobayashi. I agree with all that all that you've just said, but also on an extremely surface level, it's just the hilarity of putting a super powered person in a maid outfit and this is not a one-off thing mm-hmm. we have roberta from black lagoon yeah. roberta the the like murder maid Well, it's not uh, just her, her
1: there's like a in the in the ovas he's there's kind of like a mini roberta yeah it's like a, an agency <laughs> yeah there's like an entire batch of of combat maids and then you've got in overlord you've you've got uh his entire dungeon having basically a a platoon of explicitly called combat maids who are are literally just (laughs) different monster tropes in maid uniforms you've got an android maid you've got a uh dullahan maid you've got a uh insect maid you've got all these different monster tropes and they're all maids and that's it why not if if you're gonna (laughs) if you can have maids why wouldn't you seems to be the uh
2: yeah, and the, the uh, monster girl maid, you know, there's you know tons and tons of representation of that. You know, Re:Zero, the two best girls yeah. are also both explicitly maids.
1: And then we get in the most recent s- s- series uh, an extra uh, dose of monster maids yeah. and uh, uh because we didn't have enough before, so why why not bring a giant uh a sort of cat girl monster maid and a chibi maid as well because you need variety. Um <laughs> I guess there's some interesting things ReZero does in terms of um, the relationship of Rem and Ram and their master being not seen as their service to him being kind of out of obligation rather than out of um, a more noble purpose. But in the end, I think they probably reconcile that back to a more traditional narrative in the end like as as jeff said it's it's when it comes into to conflict it's there's always a noble aspiration underneath even when they they're fighting their their master for some reason it's always because of a a deeper and more noble uh to to the what their master could have been and not Mm -hmm. what he is right now it's it's it's
0: I don't know how to do a segue to what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about Maha... I was going to bring up maha again, speaking of android maids. I think I've described this before as something that sounds great on paper and then is <laughs> uh, a little bit more underwhelming in person th- of the idea of this, like, this, like, combat robot uh, who fails to protect this important general. And so, like, they have an internal battery and once it runs out, they die. And so she goes to, like, be the maid for for the uh the general's young son um for like the remaining 300 days that she has like to live and at the end of every episode they tell you how many days left she has before she dies uh it's kind of let down by an extremely horny teacher who just really wants to fuck her students and again these are like eight nine ten year old kids (laughs) and but and uh and mahoro's catchphrase is like i think ecchi stuff is inappropriate which can also tell you the the tone of this of this J C Staff Gynax collab, um, yeah. but that one is what I think of especially because the whole op is just like her flying out with wings and shooting missiles, but she's just wearing like floor length maid outfit. <laughs> um, she's just got weird hair to like make the bonnet look look better. I don't know. It's when I first started watching anime, I was like, oh god, there are maids everywhere. Why? Um, but he finally, speaking of like being lowered, like a frog into slowly <laughs> heating water, like if, while I'm just like, okay, yeah, I guess I like maids. I mean, I've actually like, no, <laughs> not to go too off topic. Like I've never wanted like a, a girl to dress up and be like a maid for me in the bedroom. That's, that yeah, introduces it's... a, it introduces a weird power dynamic. I don't want to have, I we already have that because of the patriarchy. I don't want that to be like made explicit, but like, maid outfits are visually interesting especially when animated uh especially when shaft animates them mm-hmm. so like yeah i can i can watch a few maid maids i don't like turn off i mean i watched all dragon maids so obviously i have a higher maid tolerance than when i started but it is weird just like how ubiquitous and how you can have shows they're just like what of this but a maid or a butler and those put it in the title of like hey do you want to watch a butler kill some people mm-hmm. called black butler so <laughs> called hayate the combat butler which actually has
1: n- which has nothing. Re- which was a particularly weird joke.
0: Is Ayate not a combat butler?
1: What? No, he was a combat. He was called combat butler, but I don't think there was actually much combat. It was just kind of like oh, it was kind He's of an ex-combat butler. It was. It was kind of a, a weird. Gone, if I may be remembering the wrong thing, but I remember it's kind of like a, a, an action and comedy rather than a so there's probably some combat but it's mostly comedy rather than actually something which where fighting was the point of it but it was uh, like a jesus do you
0: remember do you remember when something like Hayate the combat butler could get 53 episodes of animation <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy time
2: <sighs> and now um, we're
0: like oh. so i'm just right. gonna click to some random episode and see what a plot is yeah this is yeah you're right there's no combat at all this is ridiculous it's like a suburban commando
2: situation where, like, he was an ultimate badass in the past, and then becomes a caregiver. And the no, that's you know, full his, metal his, panic his... Jeff. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs>
1: that's that's basically what he becomes. He becomes a. Uh... It's not explicitly a butler, but he, he, it's like that, that's that's I suppose something we should get to, get onto very quickly, which is but, butler and maid adjacent shows where the the concept. Oh, you're of, force uh, it, aren't you? Oh, hell yeah! Uh, where someone he's a
0: fated butler, by the way, according to the Wikipedia article, a fated <laughs> as opposed to a butler from fate, which there probably are a few <laughs> in that series. Absolutely, um, fate stay, fate
1: stay, my butler. Please, <laughs> I can't defend myself. As Jeff talked about this this idea of of maids and butler and service and like the the other area where that that can happen is obviously uh, places like the military and uh, service jobs like the, the we talk about out service as a concept where someone is sublimating their own identity to give something to someone else so you may have previously heard, heard me going on at length about how I thought uh, Spirited Away was kind of defined by how Sen's identity is created by her accepting that role within the bathhouse as someone servicing other other people, being this... I, this is the other thing. Like, would you class what she dresses as in Spirited Away as a maid uniform, or a traditional Japanese one, or something like Hanasaka Ihara, where you have people who are essentially doing all the jobs we'd associate with a maid, but they're doing it for for a business rather than for a a person, if that makes sense. So that, yeah, I mean, I think I I think just honestly working for. A, a
0: company or like corporate body as opposed to for a person is an important distinction to me but i'm not going to shut down a conversation on my own podcast about it i do think hanasaki roha is a good example because she does have to her improving as a person is her learning a more maid-like mentality mm-hmm. a, a more like service-oriented mentality um i guess that's the same in spirited away too mm-hmm. that that uh chihiro also has to like grow grow up and learn to take care of others and that's like those are the worthy parts of herself that she needs to she needs to foster mm-hmm. um but she's not wearing a frilly headband and she's not wearing
2: an apron or <laughs> not
0: often wearing an apron so i i just can't allow it on
2: my end at least i mean that's fair i mean if we, if we're going to go <laughs> off the beaten trail of what actually is a maid uh, I've been recently watching Violet Evergarden, which is very much a meditation on the virtue of service to others as a means to make the world better, uh, while also being about how making other you, you can make other people happy, but it's much more difficult to make yourself happy. Mm. And a lot of that show is just sort of tear-jerking and aesthetic. It's a very beautiful show. Um, I think her, like, and she, you know, she is a, like, a murder child who grew up in a war, you know, very similar to Maho Romantic, where after the war, her her commanding officer is missing, assumed dead. Her Both of her arms have been amputated because of wounds she sustained in battle, and now she is looking to start a new life. She's given two prosthetic arms which allow her to do her work as a essentially a typist slash, uh, like, there's the, this concept of, like, the auto doll who will write a letter for you but will also help you to translate your feelings um, in a way that you're not able to yourself. I guess it's sort of
1: like plays on ideas of like I don't ben will probably completely and utterly destroy me here but like the idea hey. of the idea of scribes and like the, the way that that's at least someone like me looks at the the, the way medieval societies were worked in where you had someone who if you wanted something written down so it could be transmitted to someone else you'd go talk to that person and they would use their knowledge and their experience to take what you wanted to say and put it in a way that the other person would understand
0: but you remembered something i said way back when yeah no uh (laughs) they it, it was it's a weird thing that flips at the end of the middle ages that verbal testimony is seen as more reliable because you can't you can't fake someone saying something i mean you can now because we live in the darkest timeline but (laughs) up until this point (laughs) a few years ago like if someone said something that was them saying it well anyone can forge a, a letter and a signature um but as the power of of writing as external memory became more valued it became seen as more reliable than someone's internal brain based memory so yeah no I agree completely, and somewhat I think it's a good observation.
2: And that's also an explicit thing in Violet Evergarden that translating your memories and your thoughts and your feelings onto paper helps you make it more real and easier to communicate to somebody. And it's also a show about how you know she you know she's a super soldier who then becomes a super soldier of the heart for everybody, and uh, they, but she can't make herself happy. You know, she has these metal arms that she can you know, she could touch other people, but she can't feel anything herself. And so it's also about sort of the the limitations of a purely service-oriented lifestyle and that at some point you do need to do something for yourself, but that it's, it, that it's much easier to make other people happy than it is to make yourself happy. And that, you know, it envisions a better world where if everybody had this same mentality, then everybody could be happy. But it's, you know... That is also bumps up against the, the the harsh reality of politics and violence and cycles of revenge and things like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a long time since I watched Violet Earth Garden and my personal aesthetic taste found it's too too shiny, too too perfected um, that it it kind of. Entered not quite an uncanny valley for me, but but that that sense where it's so crafted, where the craft is so so obvious, it kind of stu- it's, it's it's like Ben was was talking about then of, of about how people if how le- if a letter's really perfectly constructed, it starts to feel more artificial. Well, have a garden's so perfectly constructed, it starts to feel more inauthentic to me. It's too shiny. It's too perfect. Hmm. It's it's it just feels feels inauthentic because of that it's that its voice there's no it's someone's voice put in a vet about these concepts you talk about jeff putting such a shiny and well-rounded form that any real hits that emotion would give me is gone but i am trying to make my way through the 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 end of the series and then the two two movies to catch up because you're talking about how those concepts of 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 service in it is is interesting in that she's essentially sent off on this journey by her commanding officer with just a, a couple of words to her which she then just defines her entire existence by and how they will actually resolve that is Going to be, if not interesting, then more interesting than I've than I found the the build up to it. At least, for, at least for me, it's like they've asked this question: How are they going to s- stick the landing? And I guess I
2: can put up with the overshininess to find that out. I yeah, I would definitely agree that it is not a perfect show, and it's its aesthetic is almost overpowering to like the. Yeah, that's how. The the moments where it gets to be way. like emotionally salient. But we're not talking about Violet Evergarden. We're talking about <laughs> maids. <laughs> Again, maids have
1: nothing to do with tidiness and perfection. That's that's definitely for sure. <laughs> do you have do- any good examples of bad maids? Good bad maids?
2: Uh, it's it's I a- mean,
0: I have dis- I have examples of Oh, you mean you mean not bad examples of maids done poorly, but examples of people being bad maids?
2: Yeah, so lazy, slovenly. Uh, well, e- like the the, the, the Dojiko maid is almost itself a subgenre yeah. of the maid of somebody who really badly wants to to be of service, but then just fucks it up, mm-hmm. and that itself is you know a type of moe, I suppose.
0: I was going to say that this comes up in Sarnosetsu Sensei, but I actually think it's Kitsuchiri is, a, is she's a she's a Doji Code nurse, and the joke is she's like, "Oops, injected you full of air." teehee, and she has like the head, <laughs> like the <laughs> fist on her head, and the tongue stuck out. Uh. Uh, I should rewatch Sarnosetsu Sensei. Well, it's coming out on Blu-ray finally, so yeah, I know, maybe we can do a tween on it. Hell
1: yeah! <laughs> but wow, uh, that's, that's but something no, I mean... never thought I'd hear, and, and, and but but is happening like. Keep, that, I mean,
0: it's this is third time's a charm, I guess, over like <laughs> a decade's time. So. Yeah. Uh, but I was, no, I think, honestly, like doing maids badly is just cosplay, and we have plenty of cosplay maids, so I can't think of a lot that, that do it. Clumsy maids, yes. Like like shoving Mikuru in a maid outfit for Haruhi Izumia. Ah, uh, yeah, but that's like, kind of
1: famous, isn't it?
0: <laughs> but like, she's, she's still a... a perfectly good made especially considering that she's being forced to do it by her like friend bully harhi So... Yeah. i th-
1: i think uh i while we were uh, doing the prep for this, I, I was going back through Shaft's back catalogues and I came across a collab they did with Gainex called "Here's My Master," which I I watched in my early days of exploring anime, where I just saw a studio name and I assumed, well, this has to be the same quality as all their other of the offerings. They've got their name on it, how could it not be? <laughs> and and in this case, I was cruelly misled because it's an extreme. Well, actually, no, maybe not everyone would be cruelly misled by seeing Shaft's name on an extremely fan service heavy show about maids um, but i, I was I, I was looking for more artsy direction uh, and uh, head tilting instead I got free uh, uh scantily dressed maids in um, thigh highs and the plot I'm not sure the original creator cared particularly about the plot art or more of an opportunity to draw those ladies but the plot uh-huh. is is that basically you have these free girls who are looking for jobs and they can't they keep getting turned down by every place they apply because they're terrible they're they're clumsy they're belligerent they're, they're not good workers and eventually they find this uh, guy who's advertising for housekeepers and they, they apply for for it and they're still terrible but the one thing is he's got a maid fetish and so as long as they agree to wear the maid dresses he doesn't care he doesn't care that they can't incredibly aggressive and doesn't tolerate him at all and and he just hires them anyway because they'll dress as maids and it's kind of like in his case it's all horny there's, there's there's no concept of service there he doesn't care about the service he he just wants free ladies dressed in uh, uh black and white frilly dresses and that's why they're bad maids because they don't have any sense of service mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I, I can't believe I'm I'm drawing a blank.
0: Surely I've watched anime with a bad maid, but I just keep coming back to just like random maid shit. Like, like uh, that one girl's outfit and show by rock and stuff. But that's not the
1: same thing. I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I, I also have my perennial problematic fave, uh, Maria Holick <laughs> and uh, Matsurika uh-huh. from who, whose name I can just recall. And she, her role is to be basically the stone faced, voice of scorn on both the main protagonist and the main antagonist and just completely and utterly dress both of them down in every single scene in the harshest and most most (laughs) utterly contemptuous words possible. We're definitely supposed to find them both pathetic and dumb but she's at the same time she is basically aware of how people see people dressed up like maids. And her her response to that is, you're a piece of shit. I, uh. <laughs> it's it's looking the audience in the eye and, and telling them um, that they're scum. And I think the fact that uh, that plays in fairly heavily with um, Maria Hollick's uh, S&M uh, accoutrements.
2: I was gonna say them looking whenever that happens, it is one hundred percent an S and M thing. It has nothing to do with any actual, (laughs) like, real moral judgment. It's just some people like to be called scum, so that's what this one is for.
1: (laughs) Called trash, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the Rem and Ram. One of them's one of them's angry, the others happy and clueless, and uh, so you get you get both types with an identical look in Rezero. So it's, it's
2: double the made, double the value. Yeah, you get yeah, your your hot and cold ogres plus maids. <laughs> what's not to love?
1: I th- I think the other thing is we've mostly talked about maids here. We haven't really talked that much about butlers. And do you think there's? Do you think that's just a well patriarchy? <laughs> that's the that's the answer here, or is the? I think it's just that it's just that
0: like butlers are less sexy, especially by the by the self-imposed post rules of anime itself. Mm-hmm. like usually when butlers are there it's either because they have an actual character role in terms of being someone's support or guidance or guardian uh alfred from batman style yeah. uh or or it's i don't know i don't know because like there's a butler in uh in the haruhi series again surya's butler but he just he's just her driver and
1: like reminds her of something that his father says. is he old
0: yeah Slicked-back grey hair and a grey moustache, yeah.
1: Because, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the, the, other, the obvious difference of the trope, that maids are young, butlers are old. Like, I can't... The other thing is I can't think of many old maids, <laughs> literally, and metaphorically. And oh, um, there is no old maids. Um, They're all 26. Uh, indeed. <laughs> and Just on the wrong side of a Christmas cake. <laughs> whereas with butlers, like, most of the examples are exactly as Ben said. It, gray hair slicked back mustache perfectly preferred and like this stern older figure in someone's life whether that's as a a surrogate father or as just like someone to constrain their hijinks and to keep them in in check Mm -hmm. yeah i think the only places we see that sort of encroached on are the kind of Butler adjacent works, which are things like um, Pretty Boy Detective Club and Oran Host Club, where we get onto the idea of hosts, which is something which really isn't present in Western culture at all. Like the idea of men working somewhere and providing an environment where women can go and feel valued and to have these handsome men wait over them and, and be nice to them. And probably more so in some cases. Um, I mean, we have we have gigolos, but
0: that's yeah, that's kind of not done out in the open.
2: Yeah, yeah. or like the Chippendale dancer kind of thing, where yeah. you know women are allowed to be explicitly and out you know out loud horny.
1: Mm. Whereas I I don't get the sense that hosts are that that like, that doesn't seem to be what it's about in the whole. Though it's certainly in some cases. I, I do think if you said, what's the male equivalent of a, a maid cafe, you would say a host club. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And so I think things like Pretty Boy, Detective Club and Oran, where we see these men basically trying to make women happy by doing thing acts of service to them. There's, it's obviously more transactional. Mm-hmm. As as Ben pointed out earlier, there's this difference between the maid cafe and the, the live-at-home homemade. And hosts are almost always is presented as a more transactional thing with ulterior motives. Orans notable because every person there is in the host club for they, they like the other hosts. They, they it's part. It's basically their social group, and they are there for their own gratification rather than that of their clients. And mm the introduction of um it is harry i'm not remembering the name wrong am i she is no yeah, she's no it's a name. i mean it, it yeah it's something it's a common name it's Harui. yes Yeah. It, it's, it's just because like there's in anime there's one harry to rule them all yeah you
0: don't have to be the first person to, to ha- character to have
1: that name but you have to be the most famous one if yeah. you want to use it and so Harry in Oran is, her introduction to this, this host club is immediately bringing in a perspective of, of the people who they have notionally been serving, where they have until that point been basically just doing what pleases them. She brings in this idea that by understanding and helping others, they can actually discover sides of themselves as well by sublimating your own desire slash will to what they may want. And it's... I think there's maybe I don't know is that is the is that something which maybe in this twenty first century is not the worst thing to suggest to people that self gratification is not the be all and end all of 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 how you should seek to improve yourself that self growth can be found in others not just within you yourself. Like I don't think that's a terrible thing. No, I think it's very funny coming for anime of all places. But, mm-hmm.
0: uh, but yes, I, I I don't really bristle against that sort of message
1: at all. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that as the did we end on that... a wholesome note without... <laughs> with maids?
0: I mean, we in, we ended on a note that people can actually say as a note. So I, I'm not going to take it where I can get it. Uh, but yes, okay, let's take uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, you'll be hearing more about maids, at least if not butlers, because. For an anime podcast. But for now, let's go ahead and move on after the break to talking about Heikimonogatari and talking about Garden of Sinners. The Garden of Sinners. Don't want to pull a tongue. Here. We're back. For starters, we'll go ahead and talk about Haikimonogatari, which was eleven episodes and ended well, two Wednesdays ago, when you'll be hearing this, but one Wednesday ago, when we're when we're saying this right now. Um I was a big fan of this anime from the beginning. I like I like historical epics, I like adaptation issues, I like transformative adaptations, which we'll probably be talking a little bit about how much how much of this is a story about uh, the Tyra, and how much of this is a story about Kyoto Animation, hmm. um, or just the people that she's known, uh, the director Naoko Yamada? Um, yeah, I've I enjoyed this all the way through. I heard people complain about the translation. Fair enough. Obviously, someone on the staff doesn't have a great command of of antiquarian Japanese. Hmm. I heard people complain about the huge cast list. Um, I just don't have that problem, so I can't sympathize with it. Um, which is always great to hear someone say... Rip to you, but I'm different. <laughs> I mean, it's it sucks. It sucks that, like, you read Wolf Hall and there's, like, eight different people named Thomas and they just expect you to tell them <laughs> apart based on, like, what role they're performing in each scene. And it's a real shame that everyone in the Tyra clan decided to, like, have their name be something Mori. And you just... <laughs> just got to hack it but uh but no i so we went from uh went from the the first offenses of the Heike in the first episode where they had thugs on the streets abusing people and trying to like corral public opinion to support them as the new powerful family adjacent to the emperor and the show ends uh with Don no uta the the infamous battle uh where the uh Heiki, the Tyra were completely wiped out. Um, legend says that so many jumped in the water that they became crabs, and that's why the crabs in that uh, in uh, that area of Japan have a specific pattern on the back of their shells that looks a lot like the uh, the Tyra coat of arms. Um, and we can then get a talk with uh, with a uh, Tokuko. Uh, which the Wikipedia misidentified as Shokuko, which was really hard when I was trying to double check that I understood (laughs) the plot of the previous episode, Um, talking about the pain of loss, the acceptance of the temporariness of things, the idea that if you come up from the bottom of misfortune, if you fall from the top of fortune, these things are all the same. And then we end with a fragmented reading of the opening passages of uh, The Tale of the Heike. And yeah, I'll I i I'll talk more broadly later, but I want to hear what Duncan thought because I, I just adored this. Um, it's exactly what I hoped it would be and
1: I'm glad that I got to be there for it. I'm always in favor of transformative adaptations. I think you can't take one media to another and directly bring the qualities that make it great in one to the other you have to find new qualities and enhance and subtly shape it so that you the core message the core concerns are maintained and i i hope that that's true of heike because i think the show is a beautiful meditation on love and loss is such a cliche e e phrase but Truly like how people come into your life and how people leave your life and how you build connections and those connections are inevitably going to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I think it's interesting because found family is so popular these days. And I think one of the interesting things about Heike Monogatari is it's about finding a family and then losing it by pieces. Um, just because of the actions of history and society and culture and granted some people's bad decisions, e- even with even with like grandfatherly cuddly uh, Taira no Kiyomori um, being at the head of this of this house's like decay and corruption. Like he made he made mistakes. He didn't know that he could back down or at the very least he didn't think it was important to be able to back down. And that's the same accusation that's explicitly pointed at a retired emperor go shirakawa where he's like i just wanted the imperial treasures back i i didn't plan to exterminate your entire house and she's like yeah well what what flourishes must fall uh and that's just the way of the world but i think especially and this is what there's this one uh review on my anime list that i guess we'll link in the show notes don't harass this guy. Not that I think we have enough people to stage a harassment campaign, but I'm explicitly forbidding it. Uh, Where he writes a a pretty unhinged uh, review, completely rejecting the literal text of the anime and saying that it's entirely about, about Naoko Yamada processing her, her grief uh, about the, about the Kyoto animation fire and the people, the talents who were lost. And, I agree with the thrust while thinking that it's just way over argued. I think that this is a show about how like things will fall down and die. And the fact that you are there to witness them and remember them is important because it's not a tragedy unless the story is told. It's just something bad that happened. Yeah. And, and yes, it's, it's painful for the rest of your life to carry around this sadness about lost friends and lost days. Um, but there's also a joy there, and the joy and the sadness are—you can't get one without the other. There's no it, when Biwa is driven out of the family and then decides that she's going to leave, like she doesn't get to keep the happy days. The the bad things will still happen, and the way that she rediscovers her own duty—duty duty to be there and to to see this family that she has this incredibly complicated relationship with. Because if you'll remember, listeners and fellow panelists uh that that she hated the hike and she was only there to watch them fall. And then when she cared about them, she's like, well, I probably shouldn't be around to watch them fall. And then she comes around to a more holistic thing of like, I was there for the good, I want to be there for the bad. And it's the way the show does it, especially in later episodes, where the OP is just like this beautiful song, um, and it's all just scenes of just like joy and togetherness and fellowship and happiness. And then you cut to the show itself, and it's just bad things happening. And I was thinking, as I was preaching the final episodes, the final moments of the of the anime, that like we don't actually see that much of the golden times there, but the fact that it's always there in the opening before you watch whatever is whatever tragedy is transpiring for this this 12th century family, um, it does make it feel like like the better times are always there as kind of a shadow or just kind of an, an echo um, that makes it compelling to. To watch such awful things, to watch a grandmother and her grandson drown in a in an ocean uh, and all these other things. I don't know. I know I'm rambling, no, but I, I, I found don't... it very movie. Even even just the final scene of them rewinding the tape so that the flowers go back up onto the tree branch, I think that's beautiful. It makes me feel choked up mm-hmm, um, but... because that is the, the Buddhist med- messaging there. So like you can't put the blossoms back on the tree. It's there and it's gone and... You can either deny nature, you can deny that facet of nature, or you can accept it, and one of those is a lot
1: better for you emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, I think I think to address that uh, that perspective that lens the uh, any uh, reviewer has took on okay uh, hey that as a way that um uh, and yamada is processing her own own grief i think you can you can you can so you can make the assumption that having gone through that grief this is going to be a story that would speak to her but i don't think you i think from everything i've been told and and read there's enough our in the that original tale that meditates yeah. on these these themes to not need a personal agenda to get to take it and evoke it it's, it's these feelings that you 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 can just have someone with a deep understanding of what it means to be human and the universal nature of, of loss and impermanence is what one of the main themes like this it comes to high and low it it doesn't matter who you are yeah. how much you struggle or how much you accept it 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 will come to you eventually mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a, a blameless kid who's who's just unfortunate to be born in the wrong family or the wickedest man al- alive whose sins boiled all the water he was that was thrown on him, the same fate will eventually come to you all. And I, yeah. I don't think you need a specific tragedy to make you contemplate that. The fact that the Heike story has lasted so long is because it hits those very universal subjects. And so maybe the choice of it as as her work was influenced, but I think... The work itself is just something which which is beyond that. I sometimes feel like reviewers fetishize the personal when it comes to talking ab- about creators, that we want this juicy reason, this, this personal thing that someone is expressing, that the universal is looked down and the personal is elevated. And sometimes a simple transcendent message about something i think it can be incredibly beautiful
0: yeah no i agree with this i agree with the same thing i think that when you get into being the kind of person who does critique and analysis regularly it can often be a high to see the person behind something i know this is a historian too is that it's exciting to see the real person behind this king or lord or anchoress or what have you um, it's it, and in the same way, it's exciting when you're watching or reading a work to see the person behind the story, um, because it, it it gives you a sense of depth. It's almost a, a sense of vertigo, realizing the amount of of distance there, but at the same time, the commonality. Um, but the the tale of the Heike as a as a story um, coincides with the like massive intrusion of buddhist values into japanese society and i think that the fact that a lot of these values are about grief um i don't think it's good to to interpret the relationship between creator and work as monodirectional that way she did not Mm -hmm. pick the heiki because she was dealing with grief um and she did not pick the heiki for other reasons and then find her grief inside there i think that it's 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 a cycle but it's it's impossible for me to think of like all the so i have never read the work as i've said before but i'm very familiar with it, especially the side stories like atsumori i i had a an atsumori quote at the top of my blog uh mm-hmm. forever not not from the uh not from the the poem itself but from the uh the play uh that the one that obunaga Odu Nobunaga was fond of of like to think that a man has but 50 years under heaven And this idea of this man killing a boy and recognizing in him his own son, um, and just being overcome by grief and giving up on violence because he sees this fundamental commonality or how in the final battle, um, the Haikki are winning in the morning because the tide is with them, but inevitably the tide changes and they lose. These are, these are all like, the, the work is so full of these just like tiny, like Buddhist lessons, Coen's even, I guess, that, that people interact with and so i feel like it's impossible to to make a work about the hikey without making it about loss and grief and folly and inevitability or destiny and i just think and that said i think it's it we it ended up in a very good pair of hands both the uh both the scriptwriter whose whose name i can't recall
1: uh, uh and Reiko now Uyama, the director
0: Yes, and she's good too. She wrote Girls in Panzer. Uh, but,
1: <laughs> uh, which we know uh, but is yes. a high mark.
0: Well, I mean, that's also a story about loss, kind of. I don't know. Uh, but we, we were very lucky to find, to find this difficult tale in such capable hands, and people who found the resonances and ultimately felt that their presence in the story through Biwa is as an observer and a chronicler, and someone who maybe knows the story better than the audience does, but is still primarily as a witness. And even in the end, when she tries to interfere with certain things happening, which is what surely some people have been screaming at her to do the entire time to try to act, to prevent these deaths that she can see with her, with her special vision. And she finally is finally moved to do that. And of course it doesn't work. Like she is forced both by the nature of the story and the nature of, character and powers and just by its nature as a created work into being an observer and so i think that that passivity that forced passivity for Biwa, and the hope that she can just outlast and see something that will make her look forward to the next day is is resonant i don't know i love it i could talk forever i could just taste myself in in lit crit circles about about this sort of thing but uh i mean i i have a lot of sympathy for the, these like Buddhist signs of inevitability and and fate and decay and I think it's it's really wonderful how many they, how many of them they manage to fit in here. Um, all these things that people like that are impermanent and that don't make them happy or that do make them happy but don't won't if they keep doing it, etc.
1: Obviously, because it's a science saru uh, venture, it is beautiful to look at. Like there's some very stunning images in in. Throughout the series, and in that f- final episode, like a couple stood out to me. Like um, when Tokoko uh, falls into the water, her sort of many layers of clothing like falling from her as she she, she sinks, like shedding shedding these rolls as she goes down into the water. Like that was that was beautiful. And then the 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 last thing I will say is I you've you've previously mentioned that some people have problems telling the cast apart and i will I will say that in my view science so does a, a great job of coming up with a lot of really characterful faces, like I love Go Shirakawa's face, for instance, like he's just got this great like sullen old man face like he's 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 constantly he's got these eyebrows which are because of his shaven head they're thin but they're constantly raised like he's disapproving of of something someone has said and the fact that you can get this same character sometimes being incredibly cruel and other times being like confounded by the way that his actions have played out and his Clearly feeling regret and sorrow over it, and that they have they are able to convey this with his expression is is wonderful. Maybe you forget the name, but you don't forget the face. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> maybe
0: we'll return a little bit to this uh, with our end of season wrap up, but I because I hope to th- think of more things to say. But for now, I I loved it, and I highly recommend it. It's only eleven episodes, and. Yeah, you'll ha- probably have to. If you are not someone who's dealt with large cast of characters, you may have to watch it with the Wikipedia list of characters <laughs> open. Um, but maybe you won't. I do think that the characterization is great. There are a lot of people in this in the same I think that even look fairly alike, but you tend to tell them apart because they have. You get a sense of who the people are because it's about the people. That's a lot of what a lot of the character writing is. It's adding characterization and humanity to to these characters. Um, that exist in this epic otherwise
1: yeah i think uh the, the one one thing i i perhaps most enjoyed over in terms of a character's development over the series is uh Tsukumori, who we see from this go from this bratty kid to this this adult who has who along with biwa and tokoho has seen the rest of his family just t- taken from him one by one some by their own many of them by their own choice both his father and one of his and multiple of his brothers choosing to take their own lives and and who is finds all the brashness of his his youth which wants to find him slowly sort of worn down and like yeah when you can do that sort of character work you're you've got some really talented people Plus, he has a he has a proper uh, badly grown m- mustache, which which always <laughs> amuses me. Proper bad teenage uh, facial hair, where it's it's not quite grown out, and it's just this wispy thing on his lip. And so, I really appreciate that as as a character thing. And yeah, Shigemori is a character I really grew to appreciate. Last time we talked about the show, I worried that when uh, Shigamori left, we'd lose some of the sympathy we had from the Heike because he was such a virtuous character but I think despite that we've kind of come to to emphasise with them from their flaws not just from their virtues and I think that is part of the lesson it's trying to show that you can't just remember the good in the people in your life because it's their their flaws which characterise them and which you learn from it as much as, as their virtue yeah. That's that's it.
0: I'm done. <laughs> no, no, I no I agree and I think it's it's especially just as one more note about Tsukimori is that when he talks with Biwa and she's like, "Yeah, I'm going to tell the story of all of you. Your pro- your first appearance will probably be the incident with the regent." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh god, is that really is that really my role in the story?" And she's like, "Well, there's lots of roles. It's, it's 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 a wonderful sort of looking back. I always enjoy sort of a backward looking final episode and that one this one really is about even the final thing when they're showing the few characters who've survived this this maelstrom of of death, um, metaphorical and literal, we're, we're, yeah, yeah <laughs> we we see these we 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 are reflecting on what we've lost, um, with the knowledge that what lies ahead is also is also dark, like the the. Minamoto uh, shogunate does not last long and the Hojo take it over. So even the ones who are now mighty are then set up to fall in the same way in in just some years. So backwards is really the only way to look because forwards is a matter of repeating
2: mistakes. Yeah.
0: And now with that mood fully set, Jeff, <laughs> talk about Garden <laughs> of Sinners.
2: Yeah, Garden of Sinners. If you want to have something that's possibly as contrasting in terms of thoughtfulness, literary worthiness. Garden of Sinners is as perfect a contrast as you could imagine. Um, I, I watched it randomly because it is an adaptation of a series of light novels by Nasu Kinoko, who is the author also of Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night, uh, which I had sort of come across by way of the Melty Blood fighting game, which is kind of a weird <laughs> crossover universe of, uh, of all of his works, basically. Famously or infamously, you know, adapting a series of uh, visual novels that have no animations, that have very little combat, and making a fighting game out of it. Uh-huh. Um, Garden of Sinners is kind of a weird offshoot parallel universe thing that is sort of almost refreshingly amateurish. It was originally published uh, for Comiket, and it has a sort of unpolished amateur enthusiasm that I think a lot of more professional works lack. And I'm one of those bad anime fans, which, you know, who back in the day sort of was attracted to anime by how weird it was and how violent and how off-putting it was. And... This, you know, despite, you know, it came out in this sort of nothing time of the mid-aughts where all of culture and not just anime was just sort of struggling to find a theme or a voice. And Garden of Sinners is a very strange story about a girl who hunts ghosts, And is also has multiple personalities and has magical eyes that give her the power of death perception, which I am 100% convinced Mm -hmm. was a pun before it was ever a thought out concept. And I don't, they never really (laughs) like land on a satisfying idea of what it even means in over the period, over the course of 11 OVAs. Uh, Also, she has a mechanical arm. Also, she has uh, one of her personalities is a serial killer. And the whole thing is just a very po-faced like it's like if you took the delusions of a B O character from a rom-com and just adapted their weird pocket universe that they live in very faithfully and and actually very beautifully surprisingly it's an uh well it's ufo table uh, mm. who do very good work like the the amount of money being spent and the amount of effort being put in seems to ramp up dramatically as the the series of movies comes out and the the action is entertaining the content is bizarre you know frequently have like whole 45 minute OVAs of characters just sort of you know People in uh, you know, a, a here for unforetold third personality talking about the nature of the universe in terms of like the Tai Ching that were never really touched upon, but actually they were, you know, foundational elements to all of the philosophy of the show. And it's 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 a very strange, but for some reason, very entertaining series. I don't know if I would recommend it to anybody, but like. If you if you give me a show that is like overly talky and has a scary anime girlfriend <laughs> and some crazy like hyper violent battles, I'll probably find something to like about it, though not necessarily something to recommend. <laughs> How many episodes was this? Uh that is uh, difficult to say for sure. Yeah, a complicated question. <laughs> so if you go onto Crunchyroll, uh there is Garden of Sitters is present. There is 11 OVAs, uh, which were made not in, like, chronological order, uh, which were also chopped up into 13 episode or seven of the One movies of were chopped up oh, into a 13-episode core several years later. Um, there was also a remix movie, uh, Gate of the Seventh Heaven, which I have not seen, which is apparently a remake and also, re- you know, slightly changing of several of the things it's like a lot of Type moon stuff is like it's it feels impossible to know all of it (laughs) because they are constantly remixing and remaking and having offshoots of things and crossovers that aren't canon and other crossovers that are canon like garden of sinners itself is kind of a remake of tsukihime which is about a boy with the same powers getting wrapped up in a vampire thing, you know, if you, if you told me that Monogatari series is kind of based on Tsukihime or was at least influenced by it, I would believe it because it's all about, you know, a guy finding this like beautiful blonde, you know, ancient vampire who, you know, and they get into supernatural hijinks and talk about philosophy like there's a there's a little bit of connecting tissue there as well but this is like you know they got rid of all the vampire stuff brought in some ghost stuff turned the boy into a girl turned the girl into a multiple personalities having serial killer and it's
0: a very nat- natural yeah.
2: literary turn <laughs> but it's also impossible to say that like this character is not like the girl version of this other character and it's 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 it, it's it's just one of those strange puzzles that my brain tends to latch onto. I'm now playing through a fan translation of the original Tsukihime uh, visual novel, which, you know, who knows what the legal uh, standing of that thing is, because there's also been a remake that is not getting a translation. Uh, and it's yeah, it's just, it's, it's a weird gordian knot of lore and philosophy and strikingly good animation sometimes that i'm having fun pulling apart and also the fighting game is pretty fun the new multi-blood go go check it out <laughs> i would ask jeff that um
1: does it have that that sort of trademark uh that a lot of Uf- ufotable's tables uh modern stuff does like in particular in demon slayer and fate they're they're known for doing uh, a lot with the the camera moving around and using the space.
2: Yes, there are sometimes they go way harder than they do at others. There is one in particular. I think it was I'm pretty sure it was the third movie, The Remaining Sense of Pain, which goes wild <laughs> with like transitions and uh camera tricks that is a lot of fun to watch some of them mm. are much more you know conventionally done but every now and then they just go crazy with the experimental camera motion this was like the first
1: work they really did which was connected to the fate 8 franchise and so this is probably what got their name in the hat for fate zero as it were and that's that's kind of like i has always seemed like the the, the the series which exploded them into like fame and notoriousness just for for the way they have a, a very dramatic cinematic style and which they have carried on very much through to uh, uh, Demon Slayer. And so uh, who knows, maybe I, I technically need to catch up with Demon Slayer, the, the mega hit that it is, but maybe when I've done that, I mean, isn't,
0: can't you sit out because, like, the first nine episodes of the new season are
1: just the movie chopped up? Ah, but I haven't seen the movie, Ben. <laughs>
0: well, that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, so I probably need... I, that's the other decision I have to make. With these things which are chopped up, this is the same decision Jeff's been dealing with. How do, do I accept the chopped up version? Do I look and try and find the original version which is told as a whole? It's like, is it better to, to have it as the author intended or is with this kind of work can it be chopped up fairly easily
0: i mean e-virus just posted a thing on karma burn about how how the episode episodic version is pretty
2: boring and removes ru- a lot of the charms <laughs> of, the, of the movie so yeah and I, I would say my my personal philosophy is that release order is the canon order no matter what because <laughs> even if something is a prequel It will always be informed by the earlier work and people working on it will have learned things about the characters, you know, the VAs, you know, the directors from their previous work. And that is the best way to to consume something like this. Even with the confusing uh, release patterns of, like, Kamaket, you know, doujins that then get professionalized and re-released and remade and remixed and everything else like that.
1: That can make it a little... That
2: can can frustrate the process a little bit. Mm. (laughs) if you ever get round to it,
1: it, Jeff, I'd love to hear what you think of uh, Fate Extra Last o- Encore, which is Shaft's attempt to do a Fate uh, show, which <laughs> I both thought was completely and utterly incomprehensibly at times, but also just absolutely gorgeous and s- dumb smart in lovely ways. And I'm sure you'd have so much fun just <laughs> just digging into the world that they had created which is completely absurd but the implications of it are interesting and and it would drive ben completely mad because obviously nero as a a busty fighty girl is probably near the top of things which would make a, a history major mad
2: i mean if you want to talk about you know the connective tissue between fate and made anime you know the whole, all the you know the, the characters are all called servants You know, the the big question it asks is, you know, what if King Arthur was your maid and also a girl and also good at fighting? I'm I'm (laughs) less enthusiastic. Fate is on my list, but I'm less enthusiastic about it just because it is explicitly a tournament fighting anime, which Mm. unless they get really weird or really interesting, I tend to sort of tune out. But I do kind of want to just... Sort of get all of the type moon that I can to see if I am rewarded for it, so I might end up watching it or hate watching it at some point some point in the near future me even
1: fate zero is a good entry point if you if you really want to do it because. It's Ufa table and it's technically chronologically first in in the order. So it's, but it's, Duncan, it's, didn't you listen to I me know, before? I, know, I, know. I need <laughs> to have a release order, or else I will feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> cheat is what I'm saying, Jeff. You need to cheat because uh, then you get Young Wave of Velvet and uh, Alexander the Great, which is is the best uh, sort of romance in anime, and it's, they're 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 very good and. Uh, adorable is the wrong word but it's, it has a good cast which not I'm not sure is something I can say of, of many of the Fate franchise um, mm-hmm. and yeah it's just impeccably animated as most stuff U- Ufotable does is so, so uh, Fate Extra if you want something completely confusing and, and mad and shaft and Fate Zero if you want something impeccably e-paced and Directed by Ufotable at their their height. Yeah,
2: I'm I'm actually I have a high capacity for confusing stuff. I am the owner of X the movie <laughs> DVD. It was one of the first like anime DVDs that I ever bought twenty years ago. So confusing I am. I, I, lo- I fucking
0: love that movie.
2: <laughs> it's so weirdly <laughs> bad and good. <laughs> that movie
0: that movie is that movie is like filling filling a truck bed with garbage, lighting that garbage on fire, and then just putting a brick on the gas pedal because it just it's. <laughs> It's so nuts and so fast-paced and so hard to understand what's going on.
2: We've been talking about talking about that show on this podcast for the entire run that I've hey, been here, I, so... <laughs> I put it up I
0: put it up as a spotlight back when we did spotlights. I put it up repeatedly, and people are just like, nah, and I'm like, no, I right think we could... As a train. <laughs> I'll join you on that trash ride. Anyway, well, you heard us talk about the, uh, the inherent domesticity of service. You heard us talk about how everything fades and nothing lasts we you heard us talk about a uh, fate stay the night whatever that's about still haven't figured it out yet <laughs> uh so yeah let's wrap it there it's about
1: servants and how nothing lasts
0: okay <laughs> so rate review subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice find us on facebook search for keyframes podcast find us on twitter at keyframes pod email us questions Keyframes podcast at gmail.com our topic next week which you should email us about is going to be shorts and one-off ovas and anime what freedoms they provide what constraints they impose so yeah and while you're at it why not tell a friend and i'm just gonna yep. i'm just gonna soak in the quietness no no just but, don't. don't but maybe
2: not this one <laughs>
0: We can't keep saying that. <laughs> it's like when, it's like when you're in our 30s, and we're like, go check out episode 13, the, our bartender episode. It was really good. It's like, yeah, that was like half a year ago, almost a full year ago at that
1: point. And I'd say tell a friend to watch um, some of the shorts from the uh, Japan Animator Expo, which is a series of, of creative shorts, uh, which was organized by Hideki Anno and... His studio Kara, and you'll find stuff by sh- by Trigger. You'll find multiple alumni from Kara and other big studios venturing out for their their first time. You'll find things like um, there are ideas seeded in in that series which then pop up in as fully fledged series. So I'm sure it's a it's a great place to start if you want to start exploring sh- anime shorts. Cool. Okay. I can't wait. I'm going to rewatch Plastic Nissan probably. <laughs>
0: Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Play us out with some of that B